Hey, and welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast. Before I get into the episode today, if you are newer to the podcast, I have a ton of free resources for you at photofieldnotes.com. And one that I want to highlight today is my free guide, um, and it comes along with the podcast episode. It's called How to Take Portraits in Full Sun. So this is especially useful for people who are interested in wedding photography or doing mini sessions where some of your sessions end up being outside in brighter sun. So just go to photofieldnotes.com and search full sun in the search box, and that will take you to the episode, and it will take you to the guide that you can download with specific tips and images and, you know, how-tos. So check that out, and then let's get into the episode today. Welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast, where you'll find stories, tips, and inspiration from professional photographers to get you taking action in your own business and making your business dreams a reality. Hello, everybody. This is Ali Ciardo, and my guest today, I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm talking with Paige Ray from Paige Ray Creative, and I love her just like one quick line elevator pitch about herself. She is a commercial photographer for brands that are a creative force in, in their industry. I think that's just like very exciting and, and says a lot about you right there. Paige, welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be on this podcast today. You have an amazing podcast. Thank you. So I always start with a little bit of the backstory of how you got into photography. And then we're specifically going to talk about pivoting today. And so I know that's like part of your story. So let's hear about kind of from the beginning, how you got into photography, and then you can talk a little bit about the pivot and we'll, we'll get more into that later. Absolutely. So I actually started, I was a journalist and a magazine editor for about 10 years. Um, Right out of college, I moved to New York for about a year. And then after that, I moved to Los Angeles almost 15 years ago. And so the first 10 years of my career, I was actually writing and I was editing. And I did really love that. I enjoyed it. But I found myself staring out the window a lot and thinking about just being out during, like, what could I go do during the day if I wasn't in a nine to five, if I wasn't sitting in my desk? So I decided, you know, I'll take some art classes, uh, just have some fun. And um, it turns out I'm not a great painter. I am not great at drawing for sure, (laughs) but something about my photography classes just clicked. And I just knew I want to do this. This is what I want to do with my life. And so over the course of about a year, I went to school at night for photo classes and, you know, I, I stayed in my, my nine to five for about a year. And then I left and I went full time into photography, which was a huge, huge world change. And I was really excited for it. I also had no idea how to navigate it. And I was doing weddings and families for about let's see, it must've been uh, four or five years before I switched into brand photography full-time. And it was that pivot into brand photography that really made all of the difference in everything that I did. I really, it just opened up a whole new world of possibility in terms of what art I could make and doing that in collaboration with brands and actually building a business that I felt really clear on how to build. Um, Not that there wasn't struggle along the way when I switched, but Um, I made a few really key decisions when I pivoted, you know, setting my prices at a certain level, I wasn't going to take anything less. And um, over the course of about a year, you know, I built a six figure brand photo business. And I just, I fell in love with the art of working with other brands. So that's what I've been doing for the last 
oh gosh, four, four years of brand photography. So I told you this is such a relevant conversation for me personally. So selfishly, I was like, yes, this is going to be a great conversation um, because I also am in the midst of what looks to be a pivot. So it's, and it's funny, I say like, it looks to be, cause I, I even am not fully giving myself permission to be like, no more weddings, but just to give context to everybody. Cause I haven't actually talked about this on the podcast. Um, I've been a wedding photographer for like 10 years now, and that is, it probably like, that's a portion of my business. I've done a lot of things, but I probably make like 70 to $80,000 from weddings per year. And so to walk away from that section of my business is like, oh, oh, that was, you know, it's, it's historically like easy to charge the larger amounts. And that doesn't even include the print sales that come along with weddings, which is like thousands of dollars more. But I'm also personally at a point where I have two daughters who are almost six and just turned eight. We live in Michigan. Summers are like absurdly short here, as lovely as they are. We want to spend more time, you know, like enjoying the summer. And so as much as I love weddings, it just doesn't really fit with the lifestyle that I have. My husband works full time. Then you look at like me working a weekend and there's, you know, kids are in school during. It's just it's too much. And so I also have been really falling in love with the brand photography and, you know, in talking to other photographers, it's really easy to get the naysayers who say, why would you walk away from like 70 to $80,000 in income, basically like guaranteed income as a part of that, that like easily pushes you over six figures every year by doing weddings to potentially not hit that goal. You know, and it's sort of that ego, like I pride myself in my six figure business, Um, And that's a whole other conversation of like having enough. Um, So talk to me about that because you were doing the same thing. You were a wedding photographer and you walked away from that income. You know, you said no to people who were willing to pay you to do it, not necessarily knowing what was next. So talk me through that mindset and that story. Absolutely. And I totally understand everything that you're saying, because that is one of the attractive things about weddings is that it's consistent income. And it's for kind of, for lack of a better word, like it's chunks of money that you can rely on that, you know, are coming in and it's significant. And one of the attractive things about brand photography, I switched in 20 from 2017 to 2018 is when I made the big switch. And at the time, brand photography as it is now was kind of still emerging. So there weren't a ton of pricing models to look at. Um, I didn't have a lot of like information in front of me in terms of how do I, how do I price things? How do I put that out there? But I wanted, I knew I wanted a consistent income with it. So I really, for the same reasons, I wanted my weekends back and I also kind of had felt like my back had been hurting a lot. And that was part of part of the problem with weddings is it's really hard on your body physically. So I knew I wanted to switch. It's hard leaving behind those chunks of money, which is part of the reason when I decided, you know, I'm going to set my prices. I'm not going to take a dime below them. I'm not going to do portfolio building for free. I know a lot of people feel like, well, if I'm switching specialties, I have to rebuild my portfolio. What one of the things that I did was, I kind of stumbled into brand photography in 2017. um, I had a friend that um, I I had this small website that doesn't exist anymore, but it profiled uh, female entrepreneurs. And I was profiling one of my friends and I said, send over a headshot. And she said, I don't really have one. And I said, I'm going to stop by 20 minutes. Um, I'll take a really quick photo of you. Not a big deal. 
And that 20 minutes turned into three hours. And at the end of it, I just went, what was that? That was so fun. I felt alive at the end of it. I felt energized. And it took a while to put together that that was brand photography. And once I understood that and what opportunities lay ahead in that, the power of that, I knew. So I took that one shoot and I said, okay, well, I'm not doing any free work. That was a kind of an accident, but worth it because it showed me what I really wanted to do, but we're not going to do any portfolio building or free work again. So essentially what I did was switching in 2018, I really leaned into taking that shoot and any other relevant work that I had that's kind of surrounded that. Um, I took those photos and I leaned into my own brand message really hard. I decided what my values were, what my tagline was, um, what I stood for, what I wanted, what I was clear on. And I did have a brand strategist help me kind of mold this messaging. And it was the messaging paired with my work that really opened everything up for me that started bringing in clients. And I was able to build consistent revenue. Um, so I switched in 2018 and the January, I made the official switch. And for the first few months, it was really slow and really hard. I had to educate a lot of my, you know, the audience in front of me on even what is brand photography. But when I started incorporating my own brand messaging within about three or four months, business came in consistently. And I had a five figure month by August of that year. And it just kept going up and up and up. So I really stuck with it for a long time, even through those really scary periods where things weren't coming in, but I just was so determined in my vision of what I wanted to do and the possibilities of what I saw in working with brands. So leaving behind the weddings was, was difficult, but at the same time, they also kind of left me behind a little bit. I said to myself, you know, in 2018, I'm going to take, I'm going to raise my wedding prices and just take fewer weddings. And I'm going to concentrate on building this brand photo business. But when I raised my prices, the weddings didn't come in. And so all of a sudden I had to figure it out with brand photography. I just didn't have a choice. It was, ter- it was a little bit terrifying. Yeah. Okay. So that was my question. Making that transition. Was it gradual? Was it? And I, I think you're similar to kind of where I see myself. Like I still have weddings booked in 2022. I um, just kind of said, I'm not really going to book anymore. Cause I don't, if I keep spending all my time on that, I can't spend the time on this, but what did that look like that January when you kind of made that switch? Did you like, did all of a sudden, did your website look different? Did your social media look different? What were you showing people at that point? Yes. My social media started looking very different. I kept up my wedding website because it, I did it under a different name. I had, it was called Daybreak and Dusk Photography. It's not up anymore. But when I went to branding, I switched to using my own name and my social media did change. And I think this is a sticking point for a lot of people who are pivoting their specialty. They ask, do I show weddings or do I show branding or do I show, what do I show? And actually what I found is that over time, the people that I wanted to work with, those ideal clients, when I pull back and look at it, it's not ever really about demographics for me. It's really about um, communities, themes, personalities. And I found that the couples that I booked for weddings were also the same people that I was booking for branding for um, creative entrepreneurs. They were creative. They were fun. They were laid back. They were risk takers. They had big vision. 
And that played it, that came through whether it was for weddings or for branding. So when I pulled back and I approached my message from that point of view, you know, who is this overall person? Instead of going, does it have to be shown through weddings or have to be shown through branding? Then I got a clearer picture of how I wanted to talk to people and talk to my community. I did, when I decided that I was all in on branding, I did switch to posting branding, 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 because you, we already know, like we have to show what we want to come in. And it, I was surprised, but it wasn't too much of a shift for the people that the community that I'd already built. So that was, ple that was pleasant to find out. And I think especially these days, people who are watching us and following us and paying attention are pretty savvy themselves and they get it if we're doing more than one thing it, they understand that like we're really good at what we do for photography and it's okay if our niche is slowly shifting over time and we're slowly letting that balance of showing more weddings to showing more branding kind of do the same with what we're posting yeah I do like that idea of um looking at the personality basically instead of just like it will be someone ages 22 through 45 <laughs> female, <laughs> like you're like really looking at the personality to match what's going on there. Uh, okay. I do want to talk for just a minute about branding photography, because this is again, selfishly in my own perspective and, and, and navigating like my direction. Now, um, this is based on my own experience. There appear to be, there are obviously different ways to go about branding, but um, I've taken personally a couple of different courses on it. And the first one was very much about like giving people a ton of images to use in social media, a lot of variety, just about like a lot of images, a lot of variety. And then I just recently took a different one. This was through Portrait Masters, Nikki Klosser, is that her name? Nikki Klosser. Um, and hers is much more about like getting that perfect set, but smaller number, like studio set, very highly retouched, making you look perfect. Um, so for me, I was doing more of that, like higher volume number of images for variety. And based on what I see from you, I think you do that too. Like you give a lot of images, but I was including, so I was giving like 150 images for, for them to use across social media, website, everything. And uh, I was doing retouching on all of those, which was never a problem until recently where I did a session that required extensive retouching on a lot of images. And I like actually hurt my back <laughs> from editing, which is so lame. Oh my <laughs> like oh my like I like spent too yeah. much time, literally like hours sitting at my computer, like in the same position and like sprayed, like it's dumb. I'm getting old anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I would just love to know, and this is, you know, relevant, obviously to branding, probably also to other types of sessions when it comes to like editing versus retouching. I want to know your opinion on this, like in what you do how are you offering retouching and how much retouching are you offering? Oh, I love this. Um, so, and this is why I love your podcast so much. When we have transparency like this, it really helps everybody to talk about these things. And you're right. I would say for about 80% of my clients, I'm delivering at a higher volume and I, I do customize it based on the client. Some clients, um, you know, I, if I work with a jewelry brand or somebody that's product-based or we have a high concept project, I'm usually delivering less. You know, I've had one client where I've delivered five images total after a full day shoot because it was very high concept for each image. And product photography in itself is its whole thing. And there's much fewer deliverables with a ton of retouching on those product images. 
But for those 80% where I'm delivering a higher volume because they're mostly aimed at creative entrepreneurs and it's the actual uh, business owner who's in the photo, I do want to put a lot of consideration into what I am retouching. And I kind of let my client take the lead. When we're in the planning meeting, I go into depth with them about how do you like to look in photos? And I ask them to bring to the meeting photos of themselves that they love, but also more importantly, photos of themselves that they hate and never want to see the light of day again. I want to get a sense of where things go off track, at least in their mind, because usually I can deconstruct the images they don't like and say, this is bad lighting, this is a bad angle. But from that space, they open up and they talk to me more about like, you know, I'm kind of self-conscious about my arms or I'm self-conscious about X, Y, Z. And I know that that's something that I want to address in post if we need to, if the way that I'm shooting in camera with lighting isn't something that fully takes care of it or makes them feel comfortable with what they're seeing in their gallery, right? But I really let them take the lead because I never want to also um, assume that people want anything touched out um, without them telling me, right? Like, um, if they have, you know, like a mole or something on their face, that might be signature for them. I don't want to take them out because I don't want to like subconsciously tell them like that's like shouldn't be there when it absolutely should. So um, I let my clients take the lead by just opening up that conversation. And then in terms of what I see as a photographer, in terms of like distractions, like I always touch out under eyes just because, you know, it's something that is pretty common across all of us. I like to have my under eyes touched out, um, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. And so what I'm trying to do is light it well enough that I don't have to do a ton of researching. So I do work with strobe lights and I've made that an integral part of my process over the years because I make sure to set up really complimentary lighting to begin with to kind of, um, so that I don't have to make up for it and post a whole bunch. But um, I don't go too in, in depth with retouching unless my client has specifically requested something or just kind of made a note in passing about something then I'll watch for it in post. But other than that, um, I really like to deliver, you know, something that feels accurate and reflective. And I, you know, I want people to really look at their photos and be like, that's me. That's me. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, so also in relevant to both branding photographers and people making a pivot, which may, maybe their pivot is just raising their prices. Maybe it's going to in-person sales and they have to have a higher price point. So you, I loved that you were really like set. You're like, I'm, these are the prices I need to charge. I'm not going to go lower. And, and I find myself again, relating in this position of like, I raised my prices and, I'm like, this is a whole new ball game for me. Like I felt really confident knowing the market in weddings, but in this new market for me, branding, you know, it's not established what we should charge. It's completely all over the place. So for those who are looking at shifting in one way or another to a new market, a new pricing strategy, how do you like get in that mind? Just talk to me about the mindset and the challenges. Cause you said, you know, at first you had some slow time. You weren't totally sure it was going to work. So talk me through a little bit about like going through that, that pricing transition. Absolutely. I think that one of the things that is the hardest um, for us as creatives and artists is that we suddenly realize that in running a business, we have to run a business, which means we have to learn marketing and selling if we want to start bringing in the revenue that actually supports us in our lives. And I think that's one of the sticking points is that we have in our minds the idea that selling is this kind of like outdated, pushy, like 
for lack of a better word, bro-ish marketing sort of thing that makes us feel uncomfortable. And of course that does exist out there, but I also think there are ways to open up conversation with conversations with potential clients where it really focuses on, you know, what do you need? What are your challenges? This is how my work can support you. And I think if we're willing to learn how to sell in that way from a place that's very heart-centered, what we start to understand is that pricing is not as much really the, the challenge or the objection that people present it as. Really, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and they tell me, oh, you know, I just, it's not in my budget, I can't really afford it. It's not that that's not true, but I also know that part of what's happened is I haven't done a good enough job of demonstrating why I can't, like what my unique value is and how I can uniquely support them. So part of it is just learning how to sell, learning how to market, learning how to talk to your community in a way that really demonstrates for them why you're valuable and why you're uniquely valuable. Because once you do that, the idea that like you have to be a certain price kind of falls away. That objection falls away, right? Because if people see your unique value, if they don't have the money in front of them, they will go find the money. And that's how, how powerful that really is. So I kind of, I kind of approach pricing from determine what a profitable price is for your business. Cause you do run a business. You have to turn a profit, start there. Don't go below that. And then learn how to sell that price. Um, and then once you've learned how to sell it, well, things are rolling, things are booking. Then after that, then you can consider raising your prices over time, but starting from a place of profit is important. Learning how to sell that is important. And it is an integrity with running a business. I mean, running a business is knowing how to sell your offers and your goods and your services. So you, when you talk about like, you know, setting your price and selling your price. Now, I think I looked on your website and you do have some prices on your website. And that's like the age old debate. Do we put our prices on our website? Do we not? And so I'm curious to hear that in your process of selling to these people, um, you know, you don't want to scare them away too soon. You want to show the value. And so how do you navigate that balance between showing, you know, your like you don't want people to come to you thinking they're going to spend a hundred dollars. You want to put some kind of barrier there, but between being able to like have that meeting with them where you really show the value and sell them on it versus selling them before they even come to you on your website. Yes. I'm a really big fan of putting at the very least a starting price on your website because we get very concerned about the idea of, you know, we don't want people who are price shopping coming in and, you know, taking up a lot of our time. But the other thing that happens is that if you don't have your price on your website, there will be people that visit your website and go, oh my gosh, this work is so beautiful. And they won't see a price and they'll go, there's no way I can afford this photographer. They must be, uh, you know, 10 times what I can afford. When in reality, you might very well be fully within their budget. So I am less worried about price shoppers and I am more focused on not losing people who can, who are the people that are ideal with for me to, the ideal fit for me to work with and can, can, you know, bring me into their budget. And beyond that, my whole process around sales is I don't just, I don't send out just, I, I have starting prices on my website, but I don't send out brochures or anything like that. If people inquire with me, I move them directly to a sales call because I am a high ticket, I am an, a high ticket offer. And I do want to walk people through what the whole process is. And I found that if people are price shopping, they will not get on a sales call with me, which is totally fine with me because that, you know, saves me 20 minutes or an hour. 
Um, and so that's how I start to weed out price shoppers and really make sure I don't lose anybody who would otherwise think I'm too expensive for them. This is good. I already have an idea of what I'm going to change on my website because <laughs> right now actually kind of, it kind of goes into the retouching too. Like right now I went from offering my like story session, multi-hour, I went from offering 150 images included. And then I had the problem with the retouching and I was like, well, I'll make it 45 um, images like fully retouched. But now I'm thinking, I'm just going to take all of that off and just like move them into the sales call and get it, get to know what they need. And then it can be a little bit customized. So I can still give them that hint of, okay, this is like roughly what's going to be for the amount of time you're spending, but then we can, cause I always have a sales call. So I might as well, you know, like customize it instead of being like, well, you can just have this exact thing from the website that you could have already seen. So, um, I like that idea that it kind of leaves you flexible to build out something custom for the client. Cause I assume that you're doing, like you've said, a lot of custom proposals with different, um, amounts of different things. So again, I think that that's kind of valuable. Maybe that's not valuable for every type of photographer, but um, for the higher ticket, absolutely putting together something custom. And I've done that with weddings. Go ahead. And I, and I will say that for branding for, so with creative entrepreneurs, it tends to be pretty straightforward. The needs tend to be pretty consistent. So I have one offer that really fits their needs pretty, pretty ideally for bigger brands, like mid-sized brands and large brands. Yes. I will do a custom proposal for them every single time. And it's, and it is a different world, for example, with product photography, that's a custom bid almost every single time too. So while product photographers sometimes can put a general range on their site, it usually ends up being something custom. So if you're thinking of getting into product photography, know that it it tends to swing that way. Um, But uh, yes, I I always, I'd love to have at least a starting price. And I find that to be, um, sometimes people check it, sometimes people don't, but um, the sales call is really a place to like explore, you know, the benefits of that. And what I do is lean really, really hard into the benefits instead of the features. Cause the features are like, you know, how many hours, how many photos do we deliver? Um, and I find the funny thing about the number of photos, people always want more, but they use about a quarter of them, maybe half of them. Cause practically speaking, like for between marketing, social, all of that, even people who use them every single day on every single platform, every other post website, brochures, all of the things, they're still using about 50 images which is why I think it's perfectly okay. Photographers who want to deliver fewer images, I think that's totally okay. And it's a matter of how do you shape that conversation to really help your client understand that like that's more than enough. Um, But I do think that's interesting because creative entrepreneurs tend to want more and more images, um, but which feels less and less practical over time. Well, it's funny you say creative entrepreneurs. I mean, it doesn't everyone pretty much, unless you educate them otherwise, <laughs> where they're like, well, how many images do you deliver? And I'm like, well, I mean, it like depends in, in other cases of weddings or portraits. And um, I, it's been interesting just watching the trends over the years from everyone giving everything to now a lot of portrait, most portrait photographers seem to have a little bit more of a model where like you get so many image, images with, and then that's the upsell is that. So, um, but yeah, I look at my own stuff from my own like family sessions and my own branding sessions. 
And literally I end up with 10 images that I use over and over again. <laughs> so it's like 10 is a really great number for me, mm-hmm. depending obviously on what you're doing and how long you need it for. So, um, gosh, so much good stuff. So Paige, where can people find out more about your offerings? Cause I know you have some educational, an educational side that could be helpful for some people. Oh yes. Um, you can find out more about it on Instagram at PageRay Creative or just at PageRay.com. I have some info. I run a mastermind where I help photographers and creatives of all services really just essentially make more money. I really feel like the starving artist trope is not one that we have to like be a part of or participate in anymore. So I I really believe that the more we can, you know, it sounds so funny to say like the more profit we make, the more we can live our dream, but it's, but it's true. Like the, when we really focus on like, how do I, um, you know, how do I bring this to life in the world and how do I be compensated for that? It's okay to feel good about that. So we focus a lot on that in the mastermind and yeah, that's, that's about it. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. I'll put that all in the show notes so everybody can check that out on photofieldnotes.com or in your notes where you're listening. So thank you, Paige. Good stuff. Super inspirational and just a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Allie. This was so much fun. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out show notes at photofieldnotes.com. And if you loved this episode, leave your review on iTunes. See you next week.